It's really good to be in God's house today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Have you ever, have you ever found the names of churches intriguing? I don't know if you realize this, but sometimes you can look at the name of a church and figure out when it began. Any church that has something like New Hope in its name or some kind of new usually was birthed right after the Civil War because they had new hope, they had new vision, they had in anything around that, that time would be like that. I thought I'd look up some interesting names of churches, and these really do exist, Miss Melinda. House of God Incorporated. <laughs> this is my second favorite here. Boring United Methodist Church. And United Methodist is just initial, so it's boring um, church. <laughs> this is a good one. The original Church of God. So if you've ever been to another one, obviously it's not the original. It's a knockoff. This one's always cracked me up. Chad and I talked about this Wednesday night. The first Second Baptist Church. <laughs> this is my favorite. Halfway Baptists. I want you to think about that. What do you think the other half is? Maybe they're Methodist or non-denominational. We don't know. But they're halfway Baptist. The Exciting Singing Heels Baptist Church. Interesting names that we have for churches. Church is a very important part of our life. Some churches, their names scare us. Uh, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. I used them as my guinea pig a little bit. Some of the churches, when they have no denominational affiliation on the sign, you go, I wonder what they believe. Especially if they have the word primitive Baptist or something like that. You're going, when I grew up, something like that meant there was probably some snakes somewhere involved in that church, and I don't want to go there. I got faith in everything, but God's given me sense to stay away from snakes. Amen. Somebody give me an amen on that one. But, you know, when it comes to church, why do we even attend? Why do we come? Why do we have churches? What is the church here for? Why are you even here today? There are many reasons, and many of them are valid. Many of them are true. Many of them have validity in your life. They have validity in, in the ministry of Christ. But I want to ask you today, why are you at Chicopee Baptist Church? We're going to dive into the scriptures today and we're going to look at Jesus. And Jesus has been born. He has began his ministry. He has been teaching. He has been performing miracles. Uh, he has called his 12 disciples. And we come to a pivotal point in chapter 10 of Matthew where Jesus is now looking at his disciples that's been hanging out with him. He's been teaching them. He's been talking to them. He's been getting them ready to do something very interesting. If you want to know the best way to create leaders in your organization or create leaders around you or raise up your children, use Jesus as an example. Jesus did not put in a bulletin and say, Hey, if you'd like to sign up for the nursery, if you'd see Miss Mary at the Welcome Center after service, or if you'd like to be my, my disciple, if you'll fill out this form. Jesus never did that, did He? Jesus just looked at people and says, Come and follow me. 
Now, when they came to follow him, what he did was he told them what that was going to be like. He told them and he taught them and he shared with them what to expect. Then Jesus showed them exactly what it was that he was calling them to do. And he gave them examples. He healed. He, he, he raised the dead. He, he cast out demons. He talked about the kingdom of God. And now we come to chapter 10. And we see Jesus do something very interesting. He's no longer telling, he's no longer showing, but he's partnering with the disciples to do something that is going to radically change the world. Chapter 10 is pivotal in the life of the disciples and in our history as Christians. Chapter 10 verse 1 begins, Jesus summoned his 12, his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them. Let me read that again. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them. Do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his support. Now as we look at this, we can see that Jesus is calling them to a ministry to get engaged and involved, not just sit and listen, not just observe, but to actually get their feet to the fire, if you will. He sent them out so they were to get involved. So there are some benefits I want to talk about this morning about the ministry of Christ that the disciples got involved in. And I will go ahead and give you a little footnote that we can be involved in. The first benefit is this. The first benefit is there is strength in staying close together. There is strength in staying close together. Unity is important. We will find throughout the New Testament where Paul and Peter and many of the, uh, the, the apostles, even Jesus, will even talk about how it's important to be one, to, to be together. The mantra here at Chicopee Baptist Church is one heartbeat across every generation. What exactly does that mean? That, that means that we are together as Christ followers. It does not mean we like this, our eggs the same way. It doesn't mean that we like the same ice cream or it doesn't even mean that we like the same music. What it means is that we're together and Christ being number one and Him being the focus of this place in which we call our church home. We are together. We can see the, the, the uh, disciples here were together. If you look over in Mark chapter 6 verse 7 in this same account, Jesus sends them out by twos. He don't send them out one all alone. He sends them out by two. Why would Jesus send his disciples out by two? Because there is strength when there's more than one together. 
When we come together as followers of Christ to do God's ministry, great and powerful things can happen. It's even clear in in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is that it is said that there is a good return when there's more than one together. That if one falls, the other one can pick them up. And, if, and when one lies down, they can both be warm. And when attacked, it's easier to fight when you're together with someone. I would encourage you today, do not try to live the Christian life isolated from others. Why do we come to church? So that we can connect and be with other believers. Because if you're not here in this place or not intentional about the believers that you're around, you're going to find yourself feeling alone you're going to find yourself feeling trapped and like there is no other body there's no other people there's no other place there's no other brother or sister to help us in our walk so it's very important we understand that with Jesus when he sent them out he sent them together not alone it's important that we stay together we often have to retreat in ministry because we try doing it alone. Sometimes when we try to do stuff all by ourselves, we try to improve our life. We try to fix these bad habits we know that's wrong and we try to get rid of sin in our life, but we try it by ourselves. Usually we have to retreat because we're all alone. Now, it's great that Jesus is there, but get a brother beside you. Men, get another man in your life to hold you accountable. That's where the crickets should be doing their sound effect. That's close enough. Listen, men, I'm serious. I'm going to step on some toes, okay? The Bible says just as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Men, if you're trying to live this life by yourself without another man helping you and holding you accountable and directing you, mentoring you, or if you're not mentoring someone, can I tell you something? You're falling short of what God's called us to do as men. We have a tendency to sin. All of us do. We all have a tendency to sin. But when we have somebody going with us, traveling with us, we can find ourselves overcoming things because, I'm. hey, how about this? I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm being held accountable by two men. One inside the church, one outside the church. Every Sunday I will send them a report of several areas in my life about how I am doing. So I'm not telling you something that I'm not doing myself. And I will tell you from experience, not because I'm tooting my horn, but I am a better man today since I started this accountability just a few weeks ago than I was several weeks ago. Because I know this afternoon I have to tell two men what my week's been like in certain areas of my life. So I would encourage you, men and women, to do your life together with someone. Don't try to do it alone. Second, not only is there strength in staying close together, but there is power in doing God's work. There's nothing else you can do in this world where you can find the power of God right in the middle of it than the ministry Christ calls us to. See, he said in verse 1, he said, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Jesus gave them authority. He gives us authority. There is authority when we're doing the work of ministry for Jesus Christ. If you think you don't have the power or the ability, that's exactly where God needs you because He's going to be the power and ability that is needed. He wants to use His power to do great things. He gives the authority 
And then the disciples go out and they get busy doing it. Verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. He gives them the authority to do the work that He was doing. You would think, well, Jesus is the only one who could heal like that, but He gave the disciples the authority to do the same thing. There is power in doing God's work that you'll experience when you're not doing anything else. You can go out and feed the homeless, but when you feed the homeless and Jesus Christ is involved, you see lives transformed, not just bellies filled up. Can somebody say amen? Jesus will change lives. Food will fill a belly. When we are about God's ministry and His business, there is power for things to be different. No other act is promised this kind of authority. None whatsoever. See, it's only in ministry that you find the power where lives can be changed forever. See, whenever you see a police officer, when they are wearing their uniform, or an FBI agent wearing his uniform, you immediately say, that man has authority. I do in my life. I guarantee you when I see a police car, that police car has more authority than my foot on the gas pedal. Somebody say, oh, now you're stepping on my toes, Pastor. There are people in our lives that have authority when we see them. Jesus Christ has authority in this world to bring healing, to, to raise the dead. He has the authority to, to take somebody who is dead in their sins and make them alive in Christ. He has that power. He has that authority. The twelve disciples... The most educated one in this list, guess who's the most educated, the smartest one in the whole bunch of the 12 disciples? Judas. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, that disciple, the one of the 12, he's the most intelligent. That's the why they let him do the books. Because he could read, he could understand the, the numbers. He was the smartest one. And yet God gave him the same authority he gave the rest of them. They all, under the ministry of Christ, it didn't matter how smart they was. They could do great things. Do not be imitated by those things. Now, the third thing is this. There is freedom in serving without conditions. There is freedom in serving without conditions. See, oftentimes we want to do something to see how much we can get out of it, right? Well, I'll serve if I enjoy it. I'll go do this if I can get something out of it. But when we serve and without expecting anything back, we are serving in the name of Christ. We are in the middle of God's power in doing something that will change our life as well as someone else's. See, the disciples went out and Jesus makes it very clear. Look at verses 9 and 10. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his Support. He is making it clear. Do not expect anything when you go do the ministry of Christ. If we expect to get something out of what we do, then we're not doing it for the right reason to start with. We need to get on our knees in the altar. So Jesus is calling these disciples and leading them to do ministry through unity, leading them to do it through authority, leading them to do it through obedience without expecting anything, not having conditions on what they are going to receive, really trusting that God will provide in their hour of need. 
The fourth one is this. There is hope in trusting God to provide. Now this is a hard one. This is a tough one. Can you imagine being told you're going to go on a mission trip to Nicaragua and you're not to... Let's just read this, okay? Verse 9. Do not acquire any gold or silver or copper for your money belts. Don't take any money. Take nothing with you, monetary value, or even a bag for your journey. Don't take a suitcase. Don't take anything on your journey to get there. Don't even take two coats or two sandals or even a staff. Just get up, go get on the plane, and go to Nicaragua. How many of you would like to sign up for that mission trip? <laughs> Richard would give it a shot. I know he would. Many of us are not quite at that level of going, Okay, God, you make that extremely clear to me. Write it in the sky. Make sure that there's no other thing that I can see except that this is from you, and then I'll consider it. Because we, we, uh, we doubt... You know what we really doubt? Sometimes we don't doubt God. We doubt that we can hear God. We doubt that we're close enough to understand what God's trying to tell us. And we doubt ourselves to a point of disobedience to God. We have to be very careful. These disciples, they were sitting there with Jesus. And Jesus, He pulls them together and He says, Look, I'm giving you this authority. I want you to go out and do ministry. And here's what you need to do. Don't expect anything in return. Take nothing with you and know that I'm with you. Jesus did not go with them. But what exactly is his ministry? Was it the healing of the sick? Was it the raising the dead, the casting out the demons, making the lepers clean? Is that what his ministry really was? Well, let's look very closely at verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying... The kingdom of heaven is at hand. As you're healing people and as you're cleansing the leopards and, and, and as you are, are doing these great ministry things, I need you to tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He, Jesus is not separating helping people and the message of God. They go together. They're not separate for Jesus. When we go to do ministry... We don't do it just to make somebody feel warmer or feel better. We have to do it with the mindset of how can we get the Word of God, how can they know a little bit more about Jesus? That's what Jesus did with these disciples. He was calling them to a ministry. But here's what I want you to get. His kingdom is built by kingdom-minded people, not church-minded people. Can I say that again? His kingdom is built by kingdom-minded people, not church-minded people. See, there are three kingdoms that exist. There's man's kingdom, the kingdom that we're trying to build. build. There's Satan's kingdom and what he's trying to do. And then there's God's kingdom. God's kingdom is built by those who are kingdom-minded one writer writes this, and this is really good. Listen very clo closely. The church gets into trouble when it thinks it is in the church business rather than the kingdom business. 
In the church business, people are concerned with church activities, religious behavior, and spiritual things. In the kingdom business, people are concerned with kingdom activities, all human behavior, and everything God has made, visible and invisible. Kingdom people see human affairs as saturated with spiritual meaning and kingdom significance. Kingdom people seek first the kingdom of God. Church people often put church work above concerns for justice, mercy, and truth. Church people think about how to get people into the church. Kingdom people think about how to get the church into the world. Church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see that the church changes the world. Jesus' ministry isn't contained into these walls of this building. His ministry is about seeing lives changed. About them coming to the faith of knowing that Jesus is the Messiah. That all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And that the only hope for our world and our community is Jesus. God has called us to be kingdom-minded, not church-minded. I'm going to make a confession as your pastor. I am not here to build Chicopee Baptist Church. I am here to build the kingdom of God and make it bigger. That's why when I meet people... They don't have to come to church here for me to be their pastor. If they don't have a pastor, I I give them my card with my number on it. And I say, let me be your pastor. Because people need to know they're cared for and have someone to call. We are to build God's kingdom. That's the most important thing. You know, today, one of the, the... the things that is focused in here is, is serving and being involved in ministry. Just do it somewhere. I'd love to stand up here as your pastor and say, oh, you need to get involved in the nursery and you need to get involved in children's ministry and youth ministry and really push that. And I believe that is important. We need people in our nursery and our children and our youth. If we want to see this church continue to get younger families, we've got to have people to, to, to minister to those kids. We need you in that area. But I'm here to tell you as your pastor, whether it's here or whether it's outside these walls, get involved in building God's kingdom. And I'll consider that a win. Because we want to see God's kingdom bigger. We want to see people going to heaven. Charles Spurgeon said, We are not saved by service. We are saved to service. We are saved to serve. That's why we are saved. He goes on to say, If any man will serve Christ, let him follow him. Put his foot down as nearly as where Christ put his. Let him tread in Christ's steps, be moved by his Spirit. We serve Jesus. We follow Jesus. Let us do what Jesus did. Let us try to impact this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this upcoming class. How to share Jesus Without fear. Because I know in my own life, I've been afraid to say anything. To mention Jesus because I'm afraid of being rejected or I'm not going to have all the right answers. But this class that's coming up this in March, beginning on March 18th, helps answer some of those. And how you can overcome that to tell people about Jesus. Maybe you're not at a place where you can have that gospel conversation and lead somebody to Christ. Just do what you can to build His kingdom. Keep that on your mind. And Christ will be glorified. 
See, this is not to give you a checks of do's and don'ts today. To give you a litmus test to go, well, I'm not serving in the, in the nursery, so this must not be very relevant to me. It's relevant for all of us. Because if we're still breathing, I believe God's got a ministry for us. Look, if a man who has been deemed legally blind and deaf can get up here and play drums every Sunday morning and be faithful to play up here and, and for the Lord, I know you can do something. I know that God's got a place for all of us to serve and build His kingdom somewhere. We need to find it. Some say you need to find your spiritual gift first. I just say, just get out there and do something. You'll find it. You'll figure it out. Don't wait for some test. Just get involved. Maybe it's just rocking a baby back in the nursery on Sunday morning. Maybe it's just coming and praying before the service. Maybe it's praying at home, sending out a card. There's multiple things you can do to serve. It could be like one man in the church that he has conversations with his patients when they are strapped down to a chair while he's doing dental work. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about church. Thank God for people like that. That's building the kingdom, not Chicopee Baptist Church. If I ever try to build this church, then someone please pull me to the whole you pull me to the side and just smack me upside the head, won't you? That's what I need. Because this Word of God is not about building this place, but building His kingdom, and we all need to be involved in doing that. That's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is telling His disciples, it's time for you to do something. And there might be somebody here today there may be somebody who has been sitting back. Someone that's been going, you know, I've been coming to church and coming to church. Can I tell you, this is not entertainment. I know many of you come to be fed. And sometimes you need to come to church to be, find healing and to find strength and find direction. But if all you do is come and eat, then you're not fulfilling what Christ has called you to do as a disciple. Christ has called you. Right here it's clear. If we're to walk in Jesus' feet, if we're to be a disciple of His, we need to do like disciples. And we need to get involved somehow in some way. You may say, well, I'm very limited in what I can do. But you just said you're limited, which means that there's something you can do. Just start praying about it. Because this is what we must do. Get involved in doing God's business and not rather than my business. See, it's easy for us to build our kingdom and do our agenda and fulfill our list. But when we get involved in doing God's agenda and doing things for Him, then all of a sudden we're going to experience things like we're going to experience doing things together. We're going to experience doing things with power and there's going to be freedom and hope found in what we are doing. Let me tell you, I would love to get every person who serves around here in a room and just stand up and applaud them for a long time. Because we got people doing all kinds of stuff around this, this place. Guys, do you understand we have teenage boys back there in that tech booth every Sunday serving all of you? When's the last time you told one of them thank you? When's the last time you said, good job, young man? You know what they're learning? Church isn't about just entertainment and me getting something. They're owning this place. 
and they take it serious back there. They're doing the online streaming. They're doing the lights. They're do- and they don't get it right every time. They mess it up. <laughs> They're teenage boys, and that's okay. You know what? I thank God we got those boys right back there in that tech booth with Sandy serving this church and serving Jesus Christ. We have all kinds of things around here that you can do here in this place. I'd love for you to get involved in our nursery. We're soon hopefully going to have a new preschool minister. We need to expand that because we're getting more babies. I don't know if y'all noticed last week, but we had a brand new set of twins that sat right back there. God is sending us people when we're ready for them. He's not going to send us people if we don't get off our keister and get busy. Is that in the Bible? I bet I'm going to hear about this when I get home from my wife. I just said keister from the pulpit. (laughs) All right. So here's your seven-day challenge. Let's end with this. Ask God each day. Ask Him this question. Am I doing enough to build your kingdom and not mine? Am I doing enough to build your kingdom and not my kingdom? Many of you here today, you may have been trying to just take it easy and just check off the box of church. It doesn't matter what the name of the church is. You can have the best name that's ever been created, but if the people inside the church do nothing and they are rotten representations of Jesus Christ, the name is going to be, mean nothing to the rest of the world. But you can have a silly name like Halfway Baptist Church. Fill that church full of servants who love people who will serve and who will be involved in God's ministry and building His kingdom and the entire community will be changed. It's about what we do. It's not about the name. I'm proud to be the pastor of Chicopee Baptist Church. I like being the pastor here. But I enjoy it even more knowing that we're about building the kingdom. The reputation this church has in the community is one that we love the community because we're always doing stuff for them. You know what I'm excited about? This pool's not going to be dry much longer. We have somebody in the church that's going to be baptized pretty soon. There may even be a couple more coming up. I was thinking on the way here, you know what breaks my heart? When we do communion more in a year than we do baptism, we only do communion four times. Once every quarter. And when we do that more than we baptize people, then there's something wrong. Let me tell you something. God's Spirit is beginning to move here in brand new ways. But as it says in Nehemiah, and I preached this message several years ago, the people built the wall because they had a mind to work. What is God calling you to do? How is God calling you to get involved in serving and in ministry and going and doing something? You may not be able to go like you used to. You may may not be able to stay up all night with youth. There's no way I could do what John does now. But I can tell you one thing. I can pray. I can take them some food. I can lead a devotion. There are things that I can do. What can you do?
Miss Ann Baggett, she comes in and she folds the bulletin. And let me tell you something. If we do, if we try to get them folded any other way, she gets upset. That's her ministry. She loves doing that. And you know what I love is her coming in and me getting to just hug her and see her. Your bulletin today was folded by that precious lady right there. That's ministry. That's serving. There are so many things that get done because of people. Would you tell somebody, thank you. What is God calling you to do? How can you build His kingdom more? Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this morning and your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I ask you now that you will speak to us. Father, to be engaged and involved in your ministry requires that, Lord, we get busy. Lord, sometimes people come to know Jesus because they get involved in serving. So, Lord, maybe that's the step somebody needs to take for them to fully understand what it is that you've called them to in that relationship. To be a disciple of Christ is to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to follow after Him. It's not just simply about getting a ticket punched and going to heaven. It's about surrendering your life to Jesus. Lord, we've all fallen and come short. We've all missed the mark. But we also know that because of Jesus Christ, because of the cross, we don't have to live in that failure no more. We can accept the free gift of Jesus. Ask Him to forgive us and take over our life and forever be changed. Lord, we thank You that we can have that relationship. And Lord, I thank You that You've called us to serve, to be engaged in ministry, to keep our mind on kingdom things rather than just church things or rather than our own kingdom stuff. Because Lord, this world can get busy, it can get crazy and throw all kinds of things at us. But Lord, we rise above all that when we keep our mind on your kingdom. So help us, Father, stay focused on you. Lord, we thank you for this day and pray that you will move on the hearts of your people today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.